You are listening to the Jabin Chavez Leadership Podcast, a conversation designed to help you find your organizational culture and leadership values. Jabin is a pastor, artist, and highly sought-after speaker who has a long track record of growing departments, ministries, and organizations. We know that this podcast will bring value to you as a leader and to your entire team. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 31. Wow, episode 31 of the Javen Chavez Leadership Podcast. I am so honored uh, that you're with me today, taking a couple of minutes to uh, level up your ministry, your leadership, your teams, and uh, very excited to share with you today. Um, as I'm recording this, Easter has just ended, and uh, it has been a great Easter season for us. I'm hoping it was for you as well, and uh, just believing that um, you're feeling refreshed and a little bit back to normal, back to feeling like a human again after uh, such a massive Easter season. Mother's Day is now uh, upon us soon, and uh, just believing that you're going to have an incredible, incredible weekend there with Mother's Day as well. But anyway, I wanted to just share a few things with you, and um, I'm, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will illuminate what he needs to illuminate to you in this season of ministry. But I want to show you uh, a scripture in Leviticus chapter 10. Yep, we're going all the way to the beginning there. Leviticus chapter 10. And um, I'm going to read you a couple of verses of scripture. And I want to talk about strange fire. This is a little term that Moses uses about Aaron's sons, Nadab, and Abihu. And this is Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, put coals of fire in their incense burners and sprinkled incense over them. In this way, they disobeyed the Lord by burning before him the wrong kind of fire or burning before him strange fire, different than he had commanded. So fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence and burned them up, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord meant when he said, I will display my holiness through those who come near me. I will display my glory before all people. And Aaron was silent. I want you to notice that Nadab and Abihu come into the presence of God with strange fire. Also here in the New Living Translation, the wrong kind of fire. This is pretty interesting. Um, I did so much research, like what is strange fire? What is strange fire? Reading all these different uh, commentaries and theologians and sermons and Greek and Hebrew, Hebrew and you know, just trying to figure out what in the world is strange fire? And no one really has uh, the total understanding of it. 
There's some different assumptions. But one of them is that this was man-made fire and not God's fire. And so they brought their own fire into the presence of the Lord. It was man-made and man-manufactured. See, in Leviticus 6, God said that the fire from his altar should never go out. And so the idea that some have is that they were to take fire from that original fire. And that was the only way that they were supposed to do this. So now they come in with the wrong kind of fire, strange fire. I want you to notice it. It looked right in the natural. It, it looked right to the eye. But God wasn't in it and God was not pleased. God God said, yeah, it's fire, but it's not my kind of fire. It's fire, but it's the wrong kind of fire. It's fire, but it's strange fire. I, I, I think about that. I think about Galatians 6, how Paul says, you started in the spirit. And now you're on over into the flesh. Uh, it, it, it looks similar, but it's not. It, it looks close, but it's not. It, it could fool the, the untrained eye, but it doesn't fool God. See, the church of Galatia was still serving God, and loving God and praising God and trusting Jesus, but they were also going back into the flesh, back into the works of the law. And Paul said, this is not right. And so it is, it is possible as a ministry now that we end up functioning in the wrong kind of fire, in strange fire. What did God tell Abraham? He said, hey, you and, you and Sarah are gonna, you're gonna have children. You're gonna be the father of many nations. What did Abraham do? He tried to fulfill that in his own flesh. He, it, it looked like a fulfillment when, when Abraham held his son. It, it looked like the fulfillment of the promise, but it was not the fulfillment of the promise. God didn't promise it to Hagar. He promised it to Sarah. But, but if, if you would have just walked up to the tent and there's Abraham holding Ishmael, it would have looked like, oh my God, God, God's fulfilled the promise. And no, it looked like it, but it wasn't it. Because Hagar and Ishmael were not God's plan. Sarah and Isaac were God's plan. Where are you getting at, Jabin? I'm, I'm talking to leaders who can end up functioning in some form of work and ministry, but it's in the flesh, not in the spirit. Oh man, we have to be we have to be careful here. Who's who's your fire source? Where are you getting your fire? Where are you getting your power? Where are you getting your energy? Where are you getting your vision? I, I recently was talking about faith and, and I said that 
biblical faith only comes from the word. Anything that we call faith that isn't found in scripture is not faith. Uh, it might be enthusiasm. It might be very sincere. It might be very heartfelt, but it isn't faith. Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Anything that we call faith that is not born in the revelation of God's word is not faith. And if we're not careful, we, we will function like Aaron's sons. We will function like the church in Galatia. We will function in a way that look, we will function like Ishmael and Hagar. We will, we will function like Saul, who God rejected Saul, and Saul was still king. Think about that. God fired Saul and let him still work. I'm, I'm, I promise you I'm not trying to scare you. But I am saying that we ought to flow in the real fire of God and not in strange fire. Can I get a good amen, somebody over there in podcast land? So I want to give you a few ways that if that we that we need to recognize uh and and uh not settle for in our ministry. Adrenaline versus anointing. Here's point number one adrenaline versus anointing. Is your ministry going to be run off your adrenaline or God's anointing? Wow. Is your ministry going to be run on your adrenaline or God's anointing? Adrenaline is your strength. The anointing is God's strength. The adrenaline is what you can manufacture. The anointing is what God can manufacture. Here, here's what adrenaline is. It is the hormone secreted by the adrenal glands. By the way, a ton of pastors end up with adrenal failure. Think about that. It's, it's not like we're doing all this physical labor. Most of what we do is sitting, talking on computers, and yet we have adrenal failure. Jesus, because we're because we're functioning from adrenaline alone, especially in uh, extreme adrenal glands, especially in conditions of stress, increasing rates of blood circulation, breathing, and carbohydrate metabolism, and preparing muscles for exertion. It, it's not that adrenaline is a sin, obviously. But if we're not careful, we will function completely out of adrenaline and not out of the anointing. What's anointing? Anointing is God's power, God's presence, and God's favor upon your gifts, talents, and abilities. Adrenaline is my strength. Anointing is God's strength. The anointing is God's power, God's presence, and God's favor upon your gifts, talents, and abilities. What did uh, Acts chapter 10 verse 38 said? It said that Jesus went around healing all who were oppressed by the devil. 
because God was with him. God anointed him. God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. He was anointed with God's presence and God's power to do. Okay, so there's a doing in ministry, huh? There's a doing. You got to have meetings. You got to preach. You got to make decisions. You got to spend money. You got to raise money. You got to pray. You got to visit people in the hospital. You got to, there is a lot of doing. Jesus was not against doing. He did a lot, but he did it under the anointing. God's fire, not strange fire. Uh, Here's my water and I'm going to take a drink to that. Cheers, everybody. So you cannot escape the doing, pastors. You know, uh, I, I just, I don't, I don't, I'm going to give everything to my team and I'm just going to prepare for Sunday. No, you, you can't do that. You're a leader. You, you don't just pump out sermons. You got to get your, you got to be in the weeds a little bit with, with what's going on. You got to do. Jesus was doing, but he was doing it under the anointing, not adrenaline. Strange fire is when we function completely off adrenaline. God's fire is when we function out of the anointing. Here's another one. Now, again, I I, I want you to catch this because I'm 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 not saying these things like adrenaline's a sin and you know anointing's the only way. I but and the next one, you, you know, I'm going to say this again. It's it's just that I want you to be careful that you're not settling for a lesser than what God has, because here's the next one. Culture versus supernatural unity. Culture versus supernatural unity. Okay, I'm a big culture guy. I love culture. I actually like talking culture. I like building culture. But let me say this. Culture is natural. Unity is supernatural. Culture can be built in the natural. Unity can only be built in the supernatural. Culture requires teaching. Unity requires prayer. Culture requires teaching. Unity requires prayer. There is nothing like prayer to bring the right people in and the wrong people out. My God. Some of you are trying to teach (laughs) and mold the wrong people. Why don't you just start praying? Because God will raise up the right people and God will, and God will just remove and release. Not even, you know, not that they're bad people. But the wrong people from that position, he'll just he'll just remove them and release them. Culture alone and culture teaching and a culture focus will always have a sense of frustration without supernatural unity. Wow. Hey guys, we need more energy on Sunday. Hey guys, we need to post about the weekend. Hey guys, we really need to, we need to lead the way in serving. All that's going to be met with, with resistance. 
to the person who doesn't pray. If you're teaching your team to conform, but you're not teaching your team to pray, you will get culture at best, at best, but not supernatural unity. Now, I believe in, again, I believe in culture. I believe in values. I believe in vision. I believe in, in this is who we are and this is how we do things. And I, I, I'm all about it. I'm all about it. And I'm all about every senior pastor having the things that burn in his heart for that organization. Please don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not saying you got to throw out culture. I'm saying culture without unity. I want to say it like this. Unity cannot simply be a part of your culture. Unity is the supernatural foundation to your team. This is, and this is what God blesses. God blesses Psalm 133, unity. There's an anointing on unity. There's an oil Think about that. God said, I'll, I'll anoint with oil, Psalm 133, on, the, on those who are in unity, and then I'll pour out blessing. Oil makes challenging things easier. You remove oil from your car and your car will heat up, overheat, and lock up. It's the oil that keeps that thing functioning and smooth and that's what unity is. It's not just teaching your team generosity or teaching your team service or teaching your team hard work or teaching your team a good attitude. There, There is something in the prayer that releases supernatural unity. I'll say it one more time. Culture is built in the natural. Nothing wrong with it, but it's built in the natural. Unity can only happen in the spirit. Culture requires teaching. Unity requires prayer. Unity cannot simply be a part of your culture. Unity must be the foundation to a church team. Here's another one. Emotions versus presence emotions versus presence again nothing wrong with emotions i'm a, i'm an emotional person honestly i'm less i'm less emotional the older i get and the longer i pastor but but i am i am an emotional person i really am i love emotions i i love laughing i love i love being moved by beautiful art and music and I, I cheer at, at sporting events. I, I get passionate on the golf course. I, I'm, I, I'm all about emotions. I scream and shout for my daughter. And when she's performing and doing things, I'm, I'm all about it. I'm, I'm, I'm all in for emotions, but emo- emotions are, are born in your soul. The presence of the Lord is born in the spirit realm. I'm, I'm into emotions, but I'm really into the presence of God. And if, if we're not careful, we will so well manufacture a service 
from the skill to the emotion to the lighting to the look to the sound to the that everything will be done so excellently that we wouldn't we wouldn't we don't even take a moment to go is god moving is god here is god pleased everything in the arts in our church must be a form of worship to God, not a replacement for God. Oh my God. Everything in the creative arts in our church, music, lighting, sound, video, on and on. All of it can be, should be, and actually must be used in worship unto God, using our art work as praise and worship unto God, it cannot be a replacement for the presence of God. And and we love our emotions. And I'll, and I'll be honest with you. Um, m- millennials and Gen Z even more. Boy, we love our emotions. We love to preach with a cracking voice. And we love to, and we love to, friend, are you? And I'm just like, I'm, I'm like, bro, is God there? Or you just, have you just learned to turn on the voice at the end of your sermon? I just think we got to be careful. Like, oh, this song's really melancholy and down and this must be the Lord. No, I, I just think, <laughs> Uh, man, I don't want to meddle right now. I don't want to rant. So I gotta, I'm going to, I'm going to get my emotions under control. We need the presence of the Lord. Just like culture is born in the natural and unity is born in the spirit. Emotions are born in the natural. Presence is born in the spirit. Emotions are good. Emotions are a gift from God, but emotions can never lead. Never. They never lead. They follow. Romans 8 says those who are children of God are led by the Spirit of God. If we're led by emotions, we are, we are not being Christian. Must be Spirit-led. All right, number four, communication versus preaching. Communication versus preaching. Communication touches the head, preaching touches the heart. Um... I'm a big fan of communication. Like I, I really am. I'm a, I'm just a big fan of communication. I love communication. I love, I love the art of communication. I, I love watching comedians. I love watching Ted talks. Um, I love listening to great speeches. I, I, I just love it. I love communication. I love a church that communicates well, vision, values, signage, you know, all of that. I'm just, I'm, I'm big into communication. I love it. I love it. Can't get away from it. But there is something that we do as ministers called preaching. And preaching is that supernaturally foolish thing that a man and woman of God does under the anointing of God 
where we proclaim, thus saith the Lord. And I'm all into communication, but preaching is proclaiming. Communication is sharing. Preaching is proclaiming. And we we must have proclamation of the truth of God's word. This is what God says, and this is what you must do in response to what God has done. Did you did y'all hear that? This is what God has said. And this is what you must do in response to what God has done. That's preaching. People think that preaching is, uh, you know, there's an old joke. Uh, teachers tell it, preachers yell it. It's just, it's funny, but it's not true. Teaching is, here's, here's a truth, boom, and then it ends. Preaching takes it one step further and there's a call to action. This is the truth. Here's what you do in response to that truth. Here's what you do in light of that truth. And and we must call our churches to action in the gift of preaching. John chapter one is one of my is one of my favorite passages of scripture. I'm going to grab my Bible. John chapter one. It's John chapter one is all about Jesus, right? It's just in the in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just Jesus, 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 Jesus. And then out of nowhere, boom, verse 19, there was a man named John. And John begins to declare, begins to preach, excuse me, 15, 15, not 19. So the first 14 verses, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Verse 15, John testified about him, proclaimed about him, heralded about him. I love that it says uh, he shouted to the crowds. This is the one I was talking about. He, We talk about him. We talk about him. Someone greater than I. We, we talk about someone greater. This is not willpower. It's not self-help. This is, this is the preaching of Jesus. We, we shout to the people about him and we, and we talk about him and we proclaim about him and we talk about the greater one. Wow. What a beautiful, beautiful passage of scripture. Just out of nowhere. Boom. This picture of, of it's all about Jesus, yes, and we preach that. We preach him crucified and we preach him resurrected and we preach him coming again and we preach that he can change your life. Man, it's beautiful. <sighs> and we need preaching, guys. Can I be honest with you? We need preachers. It's not, it's not, I'm not just talking about skill and volume. I'm talking about this is what God said. This is what you need to do. 
We got to, we got to call people back to practice. There was this, there was this big focus from a few popular preachers, some of them still in ministry, some of them not, of they, they kind of had this fear of legalism and they kind of had this fear of, of calling people to action, but it, that's, it's, that, that's over. It was, a, it was a fad, it was a phase, and it was wrong. Got to call people to action. Got to call people to obedience. We got to call people to works. We got to, this is preaching. It's not just communicating something about Jesus. It's communicating something about Jesus and then calling people to obey that. That's preaching. That's preaching. That That's literally Ephesians. That's literally Galatians. That's literally Colossians. It's here's what Jesus has done, chapters one and two. And then here's what you do, the rest of the book. I mean, that's just every one of them. We can't get away from that. Here's another one, opinions versus scripture. Opinions is what I think. Scripture is what God thinks. Never apologize for how God thinks. Never apologize for how God thinks. You stand behind that sacred desk and you preach scripture, not opinions. Bible preaching will both preach people into your church and sometimes will preach people out of your church. And that's okay. I don't, I don't ever want to offend anybody. I'm never trying to offend anyone. I want my church to grow. Our church is growing. But I do also know that the cornerstone in whom I preach, that's, that's Christ. He is the cornerstone. He is a stumbling block to some. I'm not trying to make anyone stumble. I'm not excited about anyone stumbling. I'm not looking for anyone to stumble, but I, but I know that that cornerstone will be the absolute foundation for the majority of the people in that room because they're hungry for God and that's why they're there. But it will always, it will always be a, a stone on which some will reject and trip over. And that's okay. I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach scripture, not opinions. Preach scripture. Six days a week, people are watching the news on Instagram, uh, on TikTok, on social media, and all they're doing is hearing opinions. And you get to for 30, 30 to 60 minutes a week. Say, no, this is what God says. It'll change lives. It'll change lives. Lastly, Christian songs versus praise and worship. Christian songs versus praise and worship. Yeah, I'm, I'll hit this quick. I, I I was a worship leader in a in a former life when I was younger, and so uh, I'm 
I'm really proud also of, of the worship culture that we built at City Light. There is just a lot of very emotional, ethereal, poetic kind of prayer-focused music right now in the body of Christ in America. Uh, one, it's very hard for men to connect with, very hard. And so you need to be thinking about that. Any Anytime your, your music and your sermons get too emotional, mental disconnect, you, you got to be very careful. You don't want to be dry and cold and gray, but you, you, you definitely don't want to, you don't want to be feminine and soft and um, you just got to be very careful. Paul said, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And what, what I think we're missing right now in the body of Christ is hymns. And a hymn is not a song written in the 1800s. A hymn is literally a song of praise directly sung to God. That's what a hymn is. I say it like this. A hymn, H-Y-M-N, is a song to him, H-I-M. We need more songs singing praises and worship directly to our God. There is something powerful in it. Let me remind you that at the Last Supper, Jesus and the disciples sang a hymn. Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas sang hymns. Something powerful about that. I'm not, I'm not telling you to sing old song. I'm not telling you to sing Amazing Grace. Go, go ahead if you want to. That's not what I mean. I mean, make sure that we are singing songs to him, about him, in praise and worship to him. Nothing wrong with singing a song of, of that's a prayer or a spiritual song, a Christian song. Make sure that we're singing praise and worship. Because that, that's where the that's where the anointing of God is really going to flow. And it's what it's what people need to do. If people remember this, God is a God of giving and receiving. He's a God of sowing and reaping. If we come into our church service, and for the first 20 minutes, 30 minutes of our service, all we've done is ask God for things and told God things about our problems in music, in the form of music. How are we ever going to receive from the word? We haven't given God anything. We give God praise and worship and adoration. We give God glory. And then we've now opened our heart and we are now ready to receive the word of God. You, you, we've got to have a moment where the people of God give praise so that they can then receive the plan and the will and the blessing of God. And I, I just, I, I still, I'm still amazed at churches that they just don't they don't just give God the glory. It's just all these weird, melancholy, romantic, poetic songs. And again, there's nothing, it's like there's nothing wrong with one of those if you want to kind of throw one in. But here, here's where I'm at. We do three songs on Sunday. 
So I ain't got no time to waste. We're, we're praising God. We're worshiping God. We're lifting up the name of God. That, that's what we do. Now, maybe if we were doing a five song set for an hour, yeah, we could throw in a song of, you know, one of those sweet prayer kind of songs, but we don't, we, we personally don't do that. And I think for some of you, you're missing a moment because you're, You're not giving the people the opportunity to give God praise. I think you just need to be careful about that. Strange fire versus God's fire. Flesh versus spirit. What we can manufacture what versus what God can manufacture. Come on, let's, let's give God not strange fire. Let's, let's give God what he's asking for. Take this, pray about it, think about it, figure out how it can maybe possibly bless and affect your ministry. I love you guys. I'm praying for you. I'm thinking about you. And I can't wait to uh, talk to you again real soon. God bless you.